0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, JOY. Keep JOY on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to A Little Pot of JOY, the podcast program.
1: Welcome, this is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs on Joy 94.9. There is something there for everybody. A Little Pot of Joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. We're opening the evening with a podcast from Backseat s and Kai Clancy, Brother Boy, which aired on June 9th.
2: Michael had a chat with Indigenous trans man Kai Clancy ahead of being part of Brother Boy's, the latest episode in Living Black's documentary series.
1: They chatted about being trans in an Aboriginal community and the challenges that young people face in this time of their lives. I also talked about being this year's Young Achiever of the Year at the Brisbane Pride Festival Queen's Birthday Ball Award.
2: So if you'd like to listen to the entire podcast, go to joy.org.au forward slash backseat snm and more podcasts are available for download from the Joy website joy.org.au.
3: This is a little pot
4: of
0: joy, the podcast program
4: tonight. Well, this afternoon SBS of Shortland SBS uh, is uh, Living Black, and this week's episode is all about brother boys, about uh, trans men, Indigenous trans men, and and how they uh, get together, work things out, how they live um, their lives. With me on the phone is one of the people in Brother Boys on Living Black on SBS this afternoon. Hello, uh, hello, Kai Clancy.
5: Hey everyone, how's it going?
4: Look oh, good. How are you?
5: Yeah, good, good. Thank you.
4: Now, look, you uh, you're a pretty big name around the traps uh, in Northern Australia. Uh, you know, around the who That's you know. Where, I'm from. where are you from? Where well, you from? Well, firstly, where are you from?
5: Um, I was born in Townsville. I uh, grew up there. I uh, went to high school in Brisbane, in Queensland, and yeah, just moved to Melbourne. Eh? And but I'm up in Queens. I'm up back up in Queensland right now. But yeah, I'm from North Queensland.
4: And you are a brother boy. Uh, what does yep. what does the term brother boy mean?
5: Um, it's a term that literally means boy. I guess that's what's used in the um, Aboriginal community to describe men. And I guess in a queer context, it's used to describe men who. Um, we were assigned female at birthday, like, um, yeah. So in queer Aboriginal context, it means transgender men.
4: Is look, you. I know. I know you've been doing a lot of work on social media. You use social media to get uh, some funds for for procedures and such. Throughout your yep. work, both in Indigenous communities and also in non-Indigenous communities, what's the difference between your reception in an Indigenous context and also in a a non-Indigenous? You know, how do people see you in those two different spheres?
5: Yeah, um, in the Aboriginal context, I guess you know people are really. Um willing to accept that I'm transgender and this is who I'm meant to be. I guess they know known me my whole life and they really accept it. People who um, haven't known me my whole life and don't know much about transgender stuff, it's a bit hard for people um, to accept where I'm coming from because they don't really understand. But um, I guess, yeah, in a non-Indigenous sphere, People are getting better with all this, you know, revelations of Caitlyn Jenner and whatnot. Um, it's yeah, things are getting better for transgender people.
4: Well, especially with Caitlyn Jenner and and that and that um, transformation and and transition. Has, has have you seen any? Well, other than obviously, you know, she is... Uh, hugely famous and a celebrity, but have there been? Have you seen any similarities between you and the 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 Jenner phenomenon that we've seen the last couple of days?
5: Um, Sorta of, like a lot of people stopped talking to me once I transitioned. My friends from high school and stuff, but now they start sharing all this Jenner stuff. I'm hoping they'll talk to me again. Well,
4: that's a good thing.
5: Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think you know, getting a lot of visibility out there. lot of people are really, you know, um, feeling what Jenna feels. Yeah. Now it's getting out the words getting out. It's just a misconception that it's really easy to transition like she did. She has lots of money though.
4: Well, and people as well.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess it's good that her family supported her and stuff, but, um, yeah, the money side of things is just another part of transitioning that a lot of transgender people don't have. Um, yeah, and employment opportunities, so that's something that Caitlin has and many people can't so
4: now, last lot... that
5: was got Aboriginal people too.
4: Oh exactly right. Exactly right. And and that's where, you know, your the, the voice your sort of a voice your voice is, is really important.
5: Yeah, yeah, I hope so, you know, like and the word out there that you know, we're just regular people, like, you know, yourself.
4: That's right, exactly right. Now, last night in Brisbane, you were you are a winner. Congratulations at the Queen's Birthday yes, Ball Awards. Young Achiever yes. of the Year. How, how does that stack up to with everything else that's happened to you uh, over the course of your life?
5: Yeah, like, that's really big, hey. Like, I was so overwhelmed with that. Um, I didn't know I won it till people were messaging me. And, you know, I guess I'm just really proud. It's a good thing. Um, I yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. Eh? Like it, it's it, a, it's, just, it's, it feels like I've got a lot of support behind me now,
4: which is fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. you are a young achiever. We're gonna, I'm gonna label you as a young achiever now. Uh, you are, you are a like, young achiever, and there are a lot of young people who are in, as you have put it, going through a stage of consultation with themselves. Yeah. What sort of advice would you give those young people, whether they're Indigenous or not? How, what can they do to help them through this stage?
5: Um, like, don't let it um, eat away at you. If you've got, you know, feelings, have a talk to someone that you trust. Um, you know, they'll listen and make just yeah, talk to people about it. Don't let, don't bottle it up because it's gonna be yeah, bad for yourself. So, yeah, have a chat to someone a professional or your mate,
4: it's a yeah, good place. Good place to start. Now it's a good place to start. Yeah. Exactly right. You are on uh, tonight, so this afternoon's Living Black episode called Brother Boys. It's airing at five pm on SBS One, yep. and repeated Bye. tomorrow at nine pm on NITV. Um, how you know how how was it for you being followed by Laura Murphy Oates, and and what sort of how do you think it's going to help others in your in, in the your situation and where you have been coming to?
5: Yeah, like, um, I guess, you know, where I came to, I started off my transition not knowing, and not knowing, you know, if there was any other Aboriginal trans men, I would just start Googling, um, you know, Aboriginal trans men, and there was nothing there. There was only sister girls, and they did a living black episode too. So now, like, people can Google this. They're starting off and they'll see a trans man who's Aboriginal. They'll see actually three of us now. And they'll have someone to look up to any age, you know, young, old, me, middle.
4: (laughs) Yeah, Any age is good. All ages are good. All ages are good.
5: Yeah, I'm just trying to make out that I'm in the middle because there's a younger one in there, so...
4: Oh, there you go. in the middle. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. If you if you miss or um, if you miss the show tonight on SBS or tomorrow on NITV, you can check it all out at SBS.com.au slash living black. Kai Clancy, congratulations and thank you so much for having a chat to us here on Joy.
2: You're listening to a little pot of joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. Up next, we have a podcast from Word for Word. Call Me Eloise. Trans Activist Eloise Brooke.
1: Freelance writer and Trans Activist Eloise Brooke joins Steam Beck on Word for word next year the australian bureau of statistics will undergo a national census and they are currently reviewing how they will categorize sex eloise talks about why she believes trans people need to be included
2: so again this is a fantastic podcast and if you'd like to listen to the whole thing or if you just can't listen to this show live download the podcast from the joy website joy.org.au or the itunes store
0: you're listening to a little pot of joy the podcast program
6: Hello and welcome to Word for Word. Thank you so much for joining me today. Dean Beck with you. Very shortly, Australia will undergo a census. Now this apparently is only the second time that has been an opportunity for Australia to count how many people are transgender amongst our community. Although I don't think the first time it was done that well. Joining us to discuss this and other trans issues is board member of the Gender Centre in Sydney and freelance writer Aloise Brooke. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. The second time in history that this is presented, what does that mean? Yes, yeah,
0: so the distinction here is between a survey and a census. So there's been a number of uh, surveys done. But as far as a national census goes, the only other time it's been done uh, was in India in 2011.
6: Right. Eloise, I'm going to ask for you to, if uh, at any point in time during our conversation that I make a mistake in my language, that you will correct me. And in that, um, we will all learn. The space of children identifying other than that of which they were born is something that we are currently in this country dealing with to a great extent. Last year, the Royal Children's Hospital here in Victoria experienced something like a 40% growth in uh, referrals to the gender clinic.
0: That's extraordinary. Yeah, it, it is quite an extraordinary figure. And stepping away from the Indian census and looking at some of the more the sketchier um, surveys that come out of America and Europe you get a, a figure of the general population of about 0.3%. So in America that means 700,000 people. In Australia that probably means somewhere around about between 60 and 70,000. But the thing about that figure is that it doesn't take into account um anyone under the age of 16. And as the numbers increase, as the facilities open up for more and more children who find themselves in a situation of identifying as transgender, then the numbers only grow larger. If you looked at the general population, then the section of the community that is between zero and 16 years old is probably somewhere around 18 to 20% of, you know, representative We
6: have seen uh, our state government acknowledge the tremendous growth within the gender clinic at the Royal Children's Hospital and recently provide an additional $6 million to that clinic to help uh, backfill, I guess, uh, some of the need because uh, the, the demand is so great. Why do you think it is that we are seeing so many young people, and let's say under the age of 16, as you've identifi- identified, um, coming to terms with uh, their disconnect, their dysphoria, their, their um, the fact that they're born in a, a body that doesn't connect with their brain, why are they coming forward so much?
0: I think it's a really complex situation. And to come up with one answer to it wouldn't do justice to, to the, the complexity. its, to its yeah. complexity. Mm. But some things to consider are that we live in a time now where social conformity around gender is significantly better than it was 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Even five. Even five years ago. So if you have a parent who has a child and from the age of two to three or four starts being quite adamant that their gender doesn't line up with their, their physical sex.
6: And there's a real honesty about that age group that yes. are very clear. Yes. You know, and that clarity is very confronting for yes. someone who
0: doesn't get it. Absolutely. And so this seems to be, I think the newest thing in this is that we are hearing those stories younger and younger and parents not wanting to sweep it under the carpet, but instead going, you know what, I, this is really serious. My child is threatening, you know, or displaying signs of depression and or uh, you know parents being worried about children's lives even mm. and so that has changed things
6: and it must be difficult to witness uh, a core sadness you know in a four or five year old that is far beyond a bit of uh, being miserable
0: i think that that is exactly right I, this the, the decisions that parents come to about these situations goes over many years it's often painted in more conservative news as as being flippant or being a, a fad or being a psychological condition. But the truth is that parents want the best for their children and they're doing everything that they can and they reach the end of their tether and they realise that, that nothing has changed. Their children are consistently the same and describing themselves in the same way and that everything around them is, is the thing that's changing.
6: So... In the olden days, <laughs> what took place in that space? I mean, it must have been utter resistance by parents to have a child conform to the gender in which they were born and and create an ed- even greater divide within the the child's life.
0: I think we, we just don't know. Or we can talk about our own experience mm, as transgender mm. people. That... We did what we needed to survive. There's a really popular theory, and I kind of like it, but I have no problem if, if, if there's a bit of a hole in it. But, but these are the kind of stories I tell myself about being transgender is that, you know, from about, about the age of four or five, we start to develop our sense of, of gender identity in relation to those around us. So up until four or five, it's all about b- me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and little boys can wear dresses and, yeah. and girls can play with, with trucks. Certainly we're talking about in the, you know, 70s, 80s and 90s. But at some point, around about six or seven years old, parents and society begins to segregate children into specific genders. So that's a point, often, in a young transgender person's life, regardless of how they're identifying, where they're being made to conform to gender stereotypes that they just have no no kind of sense of. Mm. And in our day and age, in 2015, then that begins to be, you know, that's channeled or there are a, a place that that children can find resolution or resolve for it. But back earlier, 10, 20 years ago, it meant that to survive, you had to be quiet and you just had to do or perform the thing that everyone required you to be. And there's a common narrative in the way that people who transition who are perhaps the other side of 30 talk about a performance that they have always had to do and that in transition or in realising that they are transgender, experience a wonderful exhilaration of finding themselves or discovering mm. or being allowed to express exactly who they are. And that's the difference.
6: Society has come a long way on this journey and, and continues to be on the journey too. But it can only occur when there are stories and people willing to tell their stories and people willing to step forward to share. And much of what I understand of of those who uh, have transitioned is that they want to, for want of a better word, fly under the radar, not be noticed, not be seen, just to be accepted in and what they are. And therefore, them stepping forward to tell their stories is in conflict to them being under the radar,
0: yes, and I think that's one of the many challenges that the that the transgender community and gender non-conforming community in Australia currently faces. Um, I am, am very fortunate to be serving on the board of directors at the Gender Centre, and we're at a pivotal point between providing services that, you know, are about hiding and keeping people safe. And taking advantage of the incredible change in the media landscape to promote ourselves, to make ourselves more visible and to raise tolerant, tolerance and awareness in the community.
6: You used an interesting word then and that was hiding. Is it hiding or is it just uh, being accepted in a way that is not in a disconnect with uh, what you want to be? You know,
0: Is that hiding or Look, is that living I, true? I don't know. <laughs> The levels of violence and disadvantage in the transgender and gender non-conforming communities are so great and so underreported um, that they are that they are just hiding. a way of of yeah. surviving. Yeah,
6: how do we get those stories out there though? Um, if people are hiding, <laughs>
0: well, Chaz Bono um, and Caitlyn Jenner and Andresia Page. These are all fantastic role models for the community. They are in positions that are in some ways privileged but are also displaying immense courage in in telling their stories. I mean, Kaitlyn Jenner was or is a darling of the of of America. She when she was Bruce was was an all-star athlete and she courageously told and is telling her story and making people more and more aware.
1: You're on Joy 94.9 and this is A Little Pot of Joy with Alison and Andrea. Up next from Lefty Pinko's Passing Privilege.
2: Unless you live under a rock, you've probably heard about Caitlyn Jenner's Vanity Fair cover through which she revealed to the world her new self. If you go on the internet or read the news, you've probably also heard a wide variety of opinions about her method of coming out.
1: This week Emma and Patrick talk about Caitlyn Jenner and Passing Privilege, what it means, how much it matters and whether it's actually any of our business. If you can't listen to the show live, download the podcast from the Joy website www.joy.org.au or the iTunes store.
3: This is A Little
4: Pot of Joy. The podcast program.
7: Good evening everyone, this is Emma on Lefty Pinkos. Patrick, good evening.
8: Good evening Emma, it is absolutely remarkable as always to be here um, on Lefty Pinkos with you. It is. Yes, Always,
7: every week. Yeah. A few months ago we hosted a Lefty Pinkos show on privilege. In that discussion we covered all sorts of privilege from race, religion, wealth, upbringing and a whole lot of other things. I even had a Vladimir Putin privilege prepared but I didn't get to say. (laughs) It was the privilege of arrest. If you can arrest everybody, you have incredible privilege.
8: You certainly do have incredible privilege. You can arrest everybody. One
7: thing we didn't cover was passing privilege.
8: Certainly, that was one that um, I was very keen for us to um, delve into more, and I'm very, very glad that we are going to delve into it even further tonight.
7: It's something many LGBT folks are acutely aware of, and it seems to be something that the I was coming up, I'm trying to come up with a, a word that described everybody else. Uh, I guess it was the heteronormative uh, cisgender world seems to be sadly unaware of, and yet apply quite rigorously. Tonight we're going to be picking away at passing privilege to see what it is, where it happens, and what we can and should do about it.
8: When we go down to a lot of this type of ideas of passing, I mean, for example, Reese, um. I'm going to pull this one up because, of course, this was the biggest news story um, last, last week was Caitlyn Jenner's Vanity Fair cover. It was. It, it was. A, it made, was
7: a, made a little splash, didn't
8: it? A little splash. It made a huge splash. It caused a lot of discussions. Um, some of the great articles that have come out of this, you know, some are... Um, you know, almost every single one of them, may I point out, is very positively affirming and welcoming Caitlyn officially hmm. Um, because she had come out as trans and now she is very formally given her name, and now we embrace it. And there is this kind of interesting interplay between trans, um, some members of the trans community and of the queer community at large discussing her role as a trans, as a very visible trans person now especially due to what is being perceived as her sort of femininity. And there's some great articles like, Caitlyn Jenner is high femme, get over it, which I think is one of, one of the best articles about this one, which is on Medium. Uh, where is my Vanity Fair cover, Caitlyn Jenner, which is an alternative to that, which is um, there was the My Vanity Fair cover campaign mm. where lots of tran- trans women and trans men um, posted pictures of them of themselves.
7: Mixes was stunning.
8: Megzi's was stunning. I saw that. That is gorgeous. She looks amazing. Um, and, they're, and all saying, you know, with the same Vanity yeah. Fair cover. And it is talking about the fact that trans is beautiful and trans is this amazing variety. And it isn't just between the binaries. It isn't, it isn't just the binaries at all.
7: It's, um, and I think just the sheer amount of noise around Caitlyn Jenner's uh, Vanity Fair cover and... Once you, once you look past the stage management of it, which mm. this, this is her business along with her family, this is, what, this is what they do, and so it will be stage managed. She's not going to give it away. However, once you get past that, there is a lot of discussion around what it is she's doing, how she does it. It's really no one else's concern. That's mm. hers.
8: Exactly. Um, I had an I had an interesting actually. Um, someone put up who is a cisgendered male, a very a very good friend of mine. He wrote something along the lines of, "Why are we celebrating um, this this woman in her um, by in her doing a glamour cover, whereas other women, for example, people who are members of the Kardashian family, cisgendered women, we would uh, demonize because of uh, impossible beauty standards yes. of women." And my response was simp- quite simply, uh, there's a beautiful quote um, in All About My Mother, I don't know, have you ever seen this mm-hmm. film? It's Pedro Amadovar, and um, the character Agrado is a, is a trans woman, and has this magnificent, an absolute magnificent speech about... Um, she opens up about her surgeries, which is very very unusual and not exactly everyone's business. But the reason that she does is that she comes to the end and she says, I I was authentic as I dreamt myself to be. And I think that's important here. Now, obviously the media coverage may have been referenced to the fact that the lovely in has responded that she's a Republican and that factor gets overlooked in all articles.
7: Look, there, I there's, there's very a bit of doubt there whether the Republicans really want her now. There is, but also
8: I don't think that this really – like I, it's very, very rare for me to say that politics don't matter, and they always will do, and, and of course this will influence that. And we also have to acknowledge, you know, Caitlyn Jenner is also exceedingly wealthy, and this has been stage managed, and yeah. that I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Any person who affirms themselves, for me – needs to be applauded regardless of what political political agenda they follow The
7: gratifying thing out of this was as affirming and supportive as the trans community has been of Caitlin, Mm. they have also come out and said this is is the reality for Caitlin. it's not the reality for the vast majority of trans people.
2: What are
5: your thoughts on passing privilege Mm. and how to combat that?
9: You better break it down (laughs) Yeah privilege. I think it's really it's 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 a complicated issue, and I think that it is important that people, trans people who do have that privilege, have space to identify and and as trans when when they want to on their own terms. I think that um, it's important to be critical of that um, it's, it's funny because I, I, someone I, I, I try not to read negative comments about me but someone um, on, on, on social media said that is, it, the question was is Laverne Cox bad for the trans community Because and the argument was because I was I, said, I was drop dead gorgeous on the, <laughs> uh, on the cover of Time Magazine and I don't represent all trans people and I was like I'm drop dead gorgeous <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know the funny the the intense thing is i don't feel drop dead gorgeous right, right. and i and i still I, a few weeks ago I, um and it just, it doesn't happen every day anymore, but a few weeks ago someone called me a man on the street I was called a he she you know i still get um I, I i don't ever i don't think I've ever had passing privilege personally, so because i when somebody's calling you a man on the street i don't feel like i'm passing um <laughs> And I think the whole thing the the question, Janet speaks beautifully about this um, because passing as myself you know, I, I think it's like I'm, <laughs> I'm, pass, I'm passing as myself. I'm like a, I'm a woman. I'm a black woman. I'm a trans woman. For me, throughout my my life and transition, I have embraced, I've, Well, early on, I did not embrace being trans. I was hoping to transition and, and, to, and to pass and to have that privilege. And I did, and didn't. It didn't happen. I would still walk down the street and get. into so many, so many of my sisters and brothers and and siblings, trans siblings in general, have experienced that when they're walking down the street and people call them out of. Their names, and and for me, I had to begin to empower myself and say that this, there's nothing wrong with me being trans. There's nothing wrong with me being recognized as trans because being trans is beautiful.
8: You're listening to Lefty Pinkos here on Joe 94.9 with Patrick and Emma. That was an excerpt from Laverne Cox, um, who is overquoted for one very good reason, as that is that she's bloody intelligent and one of the most visible actors who is trans in the world, and I think the most visible transactor in the world.
7: I think she is and she comes across as just so nice. Pleasure as always Patrick.
8: An absolute pleasure. It's a dis- difficult
7: it's a difficult discussion this.
8: It's always going to continue on and it's never going to stop and I'm very keen for this to continue being a dis- a point of discussion.
7: And and it's something when I was uh, doing a bit of reading on passing and someone said well shouldn't we just teach everybody in the world to love everybody? That's a little far fetched and a bit not not a little going bit pipe to, dream. Pipe dream. The alternative is just win people over one person at a time and that's i think most trans folks experience that you deal with uh, people one at a time and you, we make progress the problem i have with a few people a lot of the issues we do on lefty pinkos is they go does anyone care <laughs> <laughs>
8: Thank you very much for listening to Lefty Pinkos on Joy 94.9.
2: You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. Up next from Transpositions, we have a mother's unquestioning love and understanding.
1: Kylie discusses her experience as the mother of a primary school-aged transgender daughter, Bella. The story of Bella's coming out as a six-year-old is an absolute highlight. We really can't put into words the way that Kylie expresses her love for Bella. You'll just have to listen to the podcast.
2: And if you just can't listen to the show live download the podcast from the joy website joy.org.au or the itunes store
0: you're listening to a little pot of joy the podcast program
10: Good evening. You are listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. In the studio tonight, we have got Kurt and we've also got Michelle. I'm excited about tonight yeah. um,
1: because this is a topic that we've never really spoken about on Transpositions before. It
10: is. An old, and and uh, actually joining us in the studio tonight, we do have a very lovely guest. Her name's Kylie and she's a parent of a transgender uh, d- uh, girl. Welcome, Kylie. Thank you.
11: Thank you.
10: How was it for you, actually, Kylie, coming out and so sort of knowing that your daughter um, was born male, was assigned male at birth, but when she started to come out and saying that she wasn't a boy, ha- how was that for you?
11: Um, to begin with, it was um, more. How was I going to help my child? Um, it wasn't a shock because um, from a very young age that I could tell that um, you know, with Bella having a twin, that you know, she wasn't a typical male, and that there was more to her. Um, In terms of her gender, and so it wasn't really a a shock at all. Um, So it was more just understanding and working out what it was that I was going to do to help her and make sure that you know she lives a happy and fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: it's interesting. Pardon me, because myself being a parent, so it's 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 a totally different perspective. So being a parent who's trans of children who identify as the gender they're born in, Mm -hmm. like I I have a totally different perspective on this whole thing, and it's it's interesting how people can emotionally open up to children when they hear about children going through this like I myself like if I heard one of my children going through this knowing what I went through I'd be like oh my god I I would just be just beside myself Mm -hmm. um what age did this start happening at with well, from
11: 18 months old, I knew that um, because of Bella having a, a twin brother, um, that she was very feminine. Um, and so she thrived on dress ups and, and was very feminine in her approaches to how she played with toys and things like that. Um, so there was that comparison that I had. Um, but I just assumed back then that we had a gay child. So, you know, I wasn't going to do anything about that because, you know, I love her exactly the way she is and I don't care what her sexual preference is, her, whatever. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until um, I noticed a, a decline in her personality um, a bit of depression um, a bit of uh, anger was developing um, so we sat down one day and had a bit of a chat um, at the age of six and I just said look you know Belle what's going on I've noticed something's not quite right you're really angry with your little sister as well um, you know I don't understand what's happening and um, so she finally built the courage up and sat me down on the couch with her twin brother and just said look mum you know I've got to tell you something um, I'm too scared to tell you, but I've got to tell you. And I said, "Well, you can tell me anything you like." And she was like, "Well, um, I'm really a girl, and I want to know when I'm going to get a vagina." And so, um, in my head, I didn't react because I, physically, like in, you know, in my facial expressions, I just wanted to remain quite calm. And I was like, "Okay," I said, um, "That's okay. Um, we'll sort it out." inside like I had a million and one thoughts racing through my head like oh my goodness how do I help my child what do I do where do I go who's going to support us um how do I deal with this but rather than going to my usual mode of <laughs> trying to fix everything straight away I was like let's just take a deep breath and just give her a hug give her some love yeah. and then um yeah we'll deal deal with it yeah so, so,
3: so, so this is at six, six six years old yeah now do, do you have a do you have a partner husband
11: um not any not not at the okay. moment but yeah Bella um, is very much involved with her father like he's a big part of their life so okay. yeah
3: I'm uh, just curious what that the, what the reaction was from him as well. Um,
11: it took him a little bit of time um, because, obviously, like, you know, he's a bit of a blokey bloke, so um, it was a bit confronting for him and he was thinking, you know, that it's a phase. Um, and I said to him, you know, look, a phase is usually a short-term thing. You notice a change in it. But, um, in fact, you know, this has been going on for years and you can't really say that it's a phase anymore. Um, and for him, you know, in our house, he noticed that, it, that she'd gone from, you know, wearing shorts t-shirt just dresses and um you know female underpants and you know just it was just that she transformed into you know the little girl that she is Mm. so it took him a while um but the thing is i helped educate him along the way by showing him things and explaining to him this is what's happening this is what will happen next let's just go with it and trust that you know she's going to dictate the journey and we'll just be there to support her so just
3: just ride the wave yeah
11: yeah
10: (laughs) far out What was it like for you when she told you? What was your
11: initial reaction when this happened? Um, Do they have a vagina's or us that I could go to? Get one, (laughs) fix the problem, um, make her happy and, and let's get on with life and, you know let her be happy but never once did I think oh my god this is really bad what am I going to do how is it affecting me Mm. it was a matter of like what am I going to do to make sure my child lives a fulfilling life because obviously I you know had read viewed things on um, YouTube and all that sort of stuff about the high um, suicide rates um, and there was no way that I was even going to contemplate that for my child because I'm an advocate you know I signed up to unconditionally love my children and that was it wasn't going to be no different. I, I can I can definitely understand that
10: because I read some statistics somewhere that said uh, over a lifetime, about 50% of transgender people actually try to take their own lives. Mm. and Is that something which really concerned you?
11: Yeah, because in the early days, like when Bell had transitioned, um, well, started to transition, there were days... Um, there was a really hard like solid month of her life Mm. where at school she was um going to school as male and then um you know coming home and being a female um Mm. that she started holding her stool and and making herself ill because she said that she'd sooner die than have to go to school being male um and that she wanted to um yeah she wanted to die she didn't want to be boy anymore
3: that's horrible to hear yeah just again you know being a parent as Mm. well I, i did hear that yeah we we touched on a bit about um yeah, when you, when your, your daughter sat you down with, with um, her twin Yes And said And I was asking when she was going to get a vagina uh-huh. What were the next steps that you did? What was what, How did you go from there? How did you approach it?
11: Yeah, I gave um, everyone a little bit of sort of um, thinking time and just left it up to Bella to talk to us about how she was feeling and, and where to next. Um, she did request for some little things like, you know, um, a nighty, a female nighty, and some underpants. And I was like, sure, we can do that. You can wear dresses. And she's got a little sister similar in um, size. So they would share clothes. So that was fine. Um, so it started there and we just followed her lead. Um, Then I started watching things on YouTube and found Jazz um, in America and and watched that and thought, oh, this is my life. Like, this is exactly what we're going through. Um, And then from there started to work out what it is that I needed to do um, to find you know, the necessary avenues to um, get the medical assistance that Bella needed here, I went to the GP and he said, oh, look, you know, just chucking me in front of Ben 10 um, and masculinise him because, you know, um, it's because you've got a vagina and that he loves you so much. He wants to be you. And I'm like, yeah, his twin is exactly the same but he doesn't want a vagina. So help Sorry, me it's, out here. It's
3: not funny. But no, but it is. The, do- like, the yeah. doctor's answer yeah. to your child's being transgender yeah. was Ben 10.
11: Yeah, Ben 10. And <laughs> yeah. I was just <laughs> like, oh, I don't think Ben 10's going to help me here. But yeah, whatever.
3: I <laughs> uh, see. I think my case, my case probably would have been uh, maybe He-Man and... Uh, yeah.
11: Something, yeah. <laughs> but you plan. know, Ben 10's yeah. like, got how many multiple personalities. So therefore, you know, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, we did that. And then I thought, well, I'm getting nowhere here. So let's just go and live our life for a little bit more. Um, I did some research and found a psychologist. Um, Dr. Michael Carr Greg um, contacted him, and he put me onto Fenton Hart, who's another psychologist, but he deals with adults. So then um, I managed to track down um, some information about the Children's Hospital. So um, we, yeah, got in, I got in touch, but like you know, lots of harassing. Um, Dr. Campbell Paul, um, yeah, and so it was like I got desperate one night, and I was crying on the bed, and I just called the reception and said, "You just need to let me talk to him." And um, she's like, "He's in his room. I'll just go and put you through." Oh, um, from that point, it was our Opportunity to talk to him and say, "Look, this is my situation, and I need some help."
3: Definitely, yeah. Now, when you started letting Bella just start um, presenting herself mm-hmm. as, I guess, her true self, yes. Did you notice a difference in her? Oh,
11: personality-wise, we've—it's like that analogy of you know being in the cocoon and then once the butterfly emerges, a different child, like a happy person. Yeah, she still gets angry and grumpy, and you know has her days at the world, but you know she's a woman, so she—you know—she can be that way. But <laughs> yes, you know, true. in the scheme of things, like we, and especially when um, transition took place full time, um, the first day of school, like I've never had a child so happy.
3: Really? Yeah, so, it was so, amazing. So when she first came out, and we first started doing the slow transitioning home Yeah. how was it with going to school then from like Depressed. presenting at home then going to school so. yeah
11: every morning when you know even though, though the uniform that she wears is unisex but just the demeanor was like oh and you know she, I said look you know you can wear your runners pink runners um whatever but still having to go to male toilets and being identified as male um mm-hmm. you know caused a great deal of angst and depression um But then, yeah, once things moved forward and in the right direction, um, this person just emerged, this happy, confident, more at peace person emerged and that made us feel great. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, it was good.
10: Yeah, that's an amazing story.
11: Yeah. You've been listening to A
2: Little Pot of Joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. Now, before we finish the show tonight, I just thought that we should probably make a very important announcement that we haven't had a chance to make yet. So, Andrea, go ahead, share your news. I have
1: a new grandchild.
2: Congratulations.
1: A gorgeous little girl, Matilda. And that makes three grandkids now.
2: Amazing. Congrats again.
1: Thank you very much.
2: And she's a joint member, isn't she? Yes, she
1: is. We joined (laughs) her up at about two hours and 34 minutes of age.
2: Absolutely amazing.
1: So she has her own membership number and Uh, (laughs) we'll keep topping up her membership.
2: Well, welcome to Joy, Matilda.
1: Well, it's been an absolutely fantastic evening. If you'd like to hear the entire podcast from any of tonight's segments, you can find the complete podcast on the Joy website, www.joy.org.au or download them for free from the iTunes store.
2: Good night, everybody.
0: (laughs) You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe
8: to your favourite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.